You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. I hope you have your Bible there with you. I trust that you do. If you have it, I want you to turn with me to First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. And the message I want to share with you this morning is this. How to walk in victory in the midst of adversity. How to walk in victory in the midst of adversity. I hope you're there. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, it says this. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter starts out his letter by honoring God. Jesus Christ, because of His great mercy, Peter says, because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now look at verse 6. I want you to underline these first few words. You rejoice in this. If you don't mind marking up your Bible, writing, highlighting, circling, however you need to note it, I want, you to, I want you to make a note right here. Circle this, highlight it, and then draw an arrow to verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time it is necessary you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though not seeing Him now, you believe in Him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Verse 9, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Father, I pray that you would speak to us through your mighty word. God, that you would, you would invade whatever place that we are in at this very moment, and you would speak to us. God, that you would drive out any distractions. You would keep <clears throat> anything from, from, from distracting us from your holy word. God, I pray that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open to receive the message <clears throat> that you have for us today. God, we need your word. We need your courage. We need the hope that can only be found in your word, not in what I have to say, not in, in my opinions, but God, in your word. God, I pray specifically that you would teach us how to walk in victory in the midst of adversity. 
God, I pray that you would draw people to yourself, that those who are watching this morning that do, that do not have a relationship with you, God, I pray that today would be the day that they say yes to you, that they hear maybe afresh and anew, or maybe even for the first time, God, I pray that they would hear that you love them, that you care for them, and that they can walk in victory through this adversity that we are going through in our country, in our world today. God, we love you. It's in your son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. How to walk in victory in the midst of adversity. Peter is writing this letter. Actually, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Is, he's writing to a group of people who need to know that they can have hope. That they can be courageous. That they can trust God in everything that they are going through. You could title 1 Peter and 2 Peter as how to rejoice in the midst of adversity. I've entitled the message this morning, How to Walk in Victory. And I don't want to make the assumption that all of us that would be watching this morning would even understand what I mean by victory. And so I want to clarify that. I want to hone in exactly what that means. What does it mean for Christians to walk in victory? Well, the mission of believers does not change. Our mission, no matter what's going on in the world, does not change ever. And our mission goes back to Jesus' words when he was asked by a group of Pharisees, what is the greatest commandment? Of all the commandments, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus looks at them and he says, the greatest commandment, and this can be found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, the greatest commandment is this, for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the greatest commandment. That is the mission for us to walk victoriously through everything that comes our way, through every season of life. It is to love God with all that we have. That mission does not change. Jesus goes on in verse 38 and he says, And the second greatest commandment is this, for you to love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know if you had a chance this morning to watch our children's Sunday school lesson by, by Joy and Dan and Robert and Kay, but this is the lesson. This is what they were talking about, Matthew chapter 22, verse 38. This is the mission. This is what we have been called to do, to love God with all that we have, to love our neighbors, to love our neighbors as ourselves through every season of life. And so, so this this this. Sermon topic, how to walk in victory in the midst of adversity is how is this? How can we go for the rest of our life in what's going on in our life? How can we walk in victory? How can we continue to love God with all that we have? And how can we continue to love and to show love, to express love to our neighbors? Well, that's not it. That's not all of our mission. To love God, that is number one. To love others but Jesus goes on 
And he says, how, how, do we, how do we put feet to that? How do, we, how do we quantify loving God with all that we have? How do we quantify loving our neighbors as ourselves? He shows us in Matthew chapter 28. He gives us what is called the Great Commission. To go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And one of my favorite parts of that verse is the last part. It says this, and I, it says, remember, I am always with you. He, he, is, he is sending us on mission. As you are loving God with all of your heart, as you are loving your neighbor as yourself, go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And you don't go alone. I am always with you. That is the victorious Christian life. That is victory for the Christians as long as God has us on this earth. As long as God has, has our heart beating, that is our mission. No matter how, how turbulent the waters are, no matter how, how heavy the winds are, no matter what is coming against us, God has called us to those three things. To love Him, to love our neighbors, and go and be His hands and be His feet. That is the mission. But how? We've identified what victory is. We've identified the win, if you will. That is the win. That is victory. But how? I think that's what we're struggling with. That's what we're... It's what we've been battling. Maybe, maybe something that you've struggled with deeply over the last couple of weeks. Is how, how do I do that in what we're going through right now? How do we walk in victory in the midst of adversity? This is the time to run the play. If I was to use an analogy, a sports analogy, this is the time to run the play. We have been studying God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. We have learned over the years all about God. We've learned all about His Son, Jesus Christ. We've learned all about His promises. And now is the time to run the play. Now is the time. I can't think of a greater time. I know in my lifetime, maybe in the past hundred years, that the church needs to take all that we have learned and run the play. Now is the time for us to be the hands and feet of Christ, to be the mouthpiece of Christ like we have never been before. Now is the time to run the play. Listen, Dads, husbands, you are the shepherd of your house church. And now is the time to run the play. And you might be feeling right now, you might be feeling, man, I'm just not equipped for that. And I want to tell you, tomorrow night at 7.30, I'm going to be having a conversation with men, specifically fathers, 
and husbands. And I would love to share with you how you can shepherd your family. I can't. What I am doing right now is preaching. I am sharing the gospel. I'm preaching God's word with you, but I can't shepherd your family. And I'm telling you, that breaks my heart. My heart is to shepherd. But you're called to that. I'm not called to that. You're called to that. Especially in this season. Now is the time to run the play. This is what we are called to. It's this moment that we have been called to. And we must have courage. Let me define courage for you. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is not the absence of fear, but the ability to overcome the fear, believing there is a greater outcome of moving forward than sitting still. Let me say that again. We must have courage. What is courage? Courage is not the absence of fear, but the ability to overcome the fear, believing there is a greater outcome of moving forward than sitting still. We must have courage. So how do we do it? How do we walk in victory in the midst of adversity? Let's see what Peter says. In verse 6, I had you underline, you rejoice. You have to understand how that would have impacted the hearers of that day. I, I, I believe it impacted them a lot like it is impacting us. I think when we hear those words, we struggle with what's going on in our world today. Finding anything to rejoice in. And, and I, I, want, I want you to see what Peter is saying for us to rejoice in. I want you to know, first off, what was going on in that culture when Peter writes this. Because I believe it changes the way we read it. The Christians in that day were facing incredible persecution. They had gone a, a short season of, of little to no persecution, a lot of freedom, a lot of ability to, uh, to, to share the gospel, to study God's word without any persecution. But things have changed when Peter is writing this letter. Nero is the Roman emperor. And he despises Christians. Nero uh, was a prideful, arrogant man. And he hated Christians because Christians wouldn't bow the knee to Nero. (coughs) Excuse me. Christians wouldn't bow the knee to Nero. They wouldn't praise Nero. They would only praise God. And that made Nero furious. He hated Christians, I I can't think of a better thing to be hated for than for my love for God. But this is what's going on in the culture at the time. Persecution under Nero's leadership was beginning to ramp up. The more Christians praised God, the more he persecuted them. And I'm talking grotesque, brutal persecution. Nero would arrest Christians, have Christians arrested And he would persecute them in all types of grotesque, horrible ways. Now remember, this is the culture that Peter is writing his letter in. For us to rejoice in, this is the culture 
he is writing them. He would have Christians arrested, bring them into an arena for sport, and put on them the, the skins of dead animals, clothe them with the skins of dead animals, and then release lions into the arena. That's what he would do to Christians. Not only that, it gets worse, I believe. He would take Christians and, and impale them as they were alive and then place them, impaled on these, on these rods, and place them around his garden and light them at night so he could see his garden. This is Nero. And Peter is writing to a group of Christians who more, more than likely will be persecuted by Nero. And here's what Peter says. Rejoice. You say, how in the world? Isn't that insensitive to say, to say something like that? No. Because what Peter is saying is, is we're not rejoicing in, in, in what might happen to us. He is, he is looking back at what God has done. He is looking at the present of what God is doing, and he is looking at the future of what God has promised to do. Listen, both Peter and the Apostle Paul died underneath the reign of Nero. Peter knew what was potentially going to happen to him. But he wrote this book of encouragement for them, and God has given it to us in his word for us. Peter is writing this letter to say this, stand firm, have hope, walk in victory, even in the midst of adversity. This is what Peter is calling us to. This is what God is calling us to, to stand firm, brothers and sisters in Christ. Have hope. Walk in victory, even in the midst of adversity. And this is, listen, the lost world looks at that and they think that is foolish. And that's exactly what God told us. It's not foolish at all. Because our hope is not in this world can offer. Our joy is not in smooth sailing waters. Our joy and our hope is in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. 1 Peter, listen, 1 Peter is the very words of God explaining to us through Peter's voice, through his handwriting, how we can walk in victory. I want us to unpack it. I want us to, I want us to look at it here for just a moment. But, but before we get deep into the Scripture, I want to, I want to remind you, who God is using to write this? It's Peter. One of the disciples who most of us relate to. Like, have you, have you, ever, have you ever said something before you thought about it and then like, oh, I wish I could take that back? All the time, right? That's, that's Peter. And God is using Peter, to write this letter of encouragement to us. Listen, Peter rebuked Jesus. He abandoned Jesus. He denied Jesus. 
even so, even through all of that, the resurrected Jesus Christ forgave him and he reinstated him in ministry. Maybe this week you have struggled the past couple of weeks. You have struggled with, with, with trusting God. I mean, like just, just unhindered trust in God. As things begin to be stripped from us, maybe financially you, you're struggling with the, with the downturn of the stock market. Maybe it is a job. Maybe you have lost your job and there's just been this struggle to trust God. Or maybe it's just the fear of this virus coming into your community or possibly even into our home. And we have struggled. Listen, I, I believe... I believe Peter, before Jesus' resurrection, would have been right there with many of us struggling. <laughs> I believe Peter, this, this, if, if Peter was living today, post-resurrection of Jesus Christ, I believe Peter on Monday, he, he would be saying, I don't care if I get the virus, I will die telling people about Jesus. Just getting to just come on. I don't, I don't care. I will die. And then on Tuesday, after watching seven or eight hours of CNN and Fox, he would be clambered up into his home, or, 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 or he would be, he would be that, that person. You know, that person at the grocery store hoarding all the toilet paper? <laughs> that would be Peter. And then on Wednesday, back to being bold. Is that. Is that, you? Is that how you have felt? Like just a little bit of a roller coaster of emotion? That's, that's Peter, and that is who God uses. But listen, here's how God can say, or here's how Peter can say this. Here's how he can say it with so much boldness is this. Is, is I heard about Jesus. I followed Jesus. Jesus promised us that he was going to go to Jerusalem and die. Jesus promised us that he was going to be crucified. He promised us that three days later he would arise, and he arose. I saw him with my own eyes. I touched him with my own hands, and I trust what Jesus says. I saw him being ascended into heaven. And I heard him say that he would come back and get us. And I believe at any moment he could come back and get us. And Peter is saying, because Jesus is who he says he is, he, because he is the Son of God, because he did die to save you from your sins, you can rejoice even in this situation that we're going through today. That's Peter. Aren't you thankful? That Jesus doesn't reject His children when we stumble trying to follow Him. Maybe this past week you've been stumbling. A couple of weeks. Listen, Jesus hasn't rejected you. But now is the time. Now is the time as a church, as a body of believers, for us to run the play. For us to share the Gospel. For us to share the hope of our faith, all that we have been learning about, all of the knowledge that we have gained in our head and in our heart, now is the time to put hands and feet and spoken word to all of that. So how do we do it? How do we walk in victory? Number one, rejoice in what God has done, promises to do, and is currently doing in our life. That's what Peter is saying. Look, look at verse 3. Let's get into the text and let's just dive in and unpack it. Here's what Peter says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
because of God's mercy. That's what he's saying. Verse 3, because of his great mercy. You know, what, you know what mercy is? Mercy is God protecting us from something that might destroy us if he wasn't protecting us. Because of his great mercy. Notice, notice what Peter is saying. I want you to rejoice, not in what is going on in your culture, but I want you to rejoice. I want you to look back for just a moment at what God has done for you because of His great mercy. Number one, watch this. He has, again, this is past tense, He has given us a new birth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, one of my favorite verses is this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. That old person, man, that old Russ is dead. But the new Russ has been given life. That is what he is saying. He has given us new birth into a living hope. And this is what Peter is saying. This is what we rejoice in. We can, we can have our focus on the news. We can, we can have our focus on, on what is going around us. And I'm not saying that we ought to bury our head in the sand and act like it's not going on. We need to be aware. We need to be cautious. We need to take protections and do all of that. But listen, our joy is not found in our culture. Our joy is in God and in God alone. That's what Peter is saying here. He's like, listen, you might be persecuted. You might be persecuted unto death. But you can rejoice because of what God has done for you in the past. He says He's given us new birth into a living hope. Hey, hope, hope is us just, just total, unhindered trust in God. That is hope. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now look at the second thing he wants us to rejoice in. Verse 4. And he has given us and into an inheritance that is imperishable. Listen, we have an inheritance in heaven. And, and, and some might, might say that... well. Maybe I've messed it up. Maybe, maybe, my, maybe I've blown my inheritance. Maybe, I have, maybe I've just jacked up my inheritance because of the way that we have been living, the way I've been living. And if that's you this morning, I want you to remember the story of the prodigal son who tried to take his inheritance, who thought he blew his inheritance, but he came back to the father and the Father received him. The Father loved him. And the Father showed him, you didn't waste your true inheritance. So Paul, or I'm sorry, Peter is saying here, he has given us an inheritance that's imperishable. Listen, it, it, it's, not, it's not going to 
It's not going to go away. It's not going to rot. It's not going to ruin. It's, it's undefiled. You can't, you can't mess it up. It's, it's unfading. It's not, it's not going to, to, to lose value. It's not going to fade. With, it's not going to get bleached out by the sun. Why is all that? Because it's something that we can control? No, listen. It is kept in heaven for us. And thank God it, it is. Because if it was kept in my hands, I would have lost it a long time ago. It says it's kept in heaven for us. And this is what Peter is saying. I want you to rejoice in the past. You've been given new birth. In the future, listen, you have an inheritance that is being kept in heaven for you, ready to give to you at that moment of death. But watch this. He doesn't just stop at the past and the future. Notice he goes to the present. Verse 5, he says, you are, this is the present, you are being guarded I love this. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 says this, just, just uh, in summary, that there is nothing in this world that can take us from the love of God. We can't be stripped out of the hand of God. We are being guarded. So what he's, he's saying, look at the present. At this present moment, you are being guarded. Now listen, that doesn't mean that something can't come against us. We, some, some things can come against us. We live in a broken, fallen world. We can get sick. We can die from things that happen to us in this world. But listen, our salvation is guarded. By what? By me? No. By God's power. Through faith. For a salvation that is ready to be revealed in this last time. Peter is pointing these believers. He is pointing us to look at what God has done in our life. To look at what God has promised in the future. And what He is presently doing at this very moment. And he says this. You rejoice in this that's our focus past present and future of what god has done and is doing you rejoice you take delight in this listen when worry begins to 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 consume our mind when fear uh, when we begin to just dwell on fear in the in the what ifs peter is saying this you rejoice you take delight this is what you dwell on what god has done what he is doing currently and what he promises to do this is what you rejoice in and here's where it gets hard even Maybe even some get a little testy with this. But Peter says this in the, in the remaining part of verse 6. Even though, we talked about this a couple of weeks and we were studying Psalm chapter 46. Even though, you rejoice in what God is doing. Even though, now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer. Grief. In various trials. See, P Peter's not ignoring the reality that Nero is coming against Christians, that Nero is killing Christians, that he is persecuting Christians. He's not ignoring the fact, he knows that that might happen. But he's saying that doesn't change the role of Christians, the joy of Christians. We are to rejoice, we are to dwell on what God has done and when we do listen that brings joy in our life even though now for a short time if necessary you suffer grief in various trials 
you know this, maybe, maybe I think sometimes we forget it, but listen, being a Christian isn't a promised life absent of troubles. Being a Christian isn't a promised life absent of trouble, but it is an assurance that we don't have to go through trouble alone. Being a Christian, we're not promised life without troubles. But we are promised that as we go through every moment of every day, whether trouble or whether blessings, we go with the presence of God with us. That's what we see in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 or 18 through 20. And lo, I am with you always. I want to share, I want to share a couple of texts with you. Ten different verses. If you have a piece of paper, you have a way of writing these down, we will put these in. Uh, we'll put these on our website or on our social media feeds uh, after the service today. But I, I, I believe that when fear, when worry, when, when our mind just begins to dwell on what is going around us, if we would just remember, we would get into the practice, the habit of declaring God's presence with us, Oh, it will pull us out of fear. So I want to share these with you. Listen, God's presence in my life is always greater than any trial in my life. God's presence in your life is greater than any trial in your life. So follow along or just write these down. 2 Samuel 22 verse 2 says this, The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my deliverer. Psalm 18.2 The Lord is my rock and my fortress. Psalm 23. We know this one. The Lord is my shepherd. He is our shepherd and a shepherd loves his sheep. He cares for His sheep. He takes care of His sheep. He protects His sheep. And the Lord is our shepherd. Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 28 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Listen, I'm telling you that one will bring so much joy, so much courage, so much boldness in your life when you when you know that you know that you know that God is your strength and He is your shield. The Lord is my refuge. Psalm 94, verse 22. Psalm 118, verse 7 says this, The Lord is my helper. Listen, God's presence is with you. God's presence gives you boldness. God's presence gives you Courage. Two more. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 9. Verse 9. Zechariah 13, 9. The Lord is my God. Hebrews 13, verse 6. Therefore, we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Maybe that's the memory verse that you need to work on this week. Maybe that's one that you need to, you need to uh, uh, put on a, a note card, a sticky note, and put it on the, on the mirror of your restroom, or, or put it on the, on, on the dashboard of your car, or put it next to uh, your desk at work. And claim it. Read it. Be comforted by it. 
Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. So how, how do we walk in victory in the midst of adversity? We rejoice in what God has done, what He promises to do, and what He is currently doing. That's what we see Peter uh, writing to the people then and God giving, giving us today. The second thing, quickly, and I'm going to close with this. We rejoice in the unseen Lord. We rejoice in the unseen Lord. Look at, look at verse 9. The latter part of verse 9 says this. You rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. You rejoice with inexpressible, meaning this, like, like we, can't, we can't even express where or how this joy, like, like there's nothing going on in our culture, in our day today that should give me joy. It's inexpressible. It's just, it is just joy that is, you're just filled with joy. You're, you're welling up with joy. That's what, that's what Peter has given us. You rejoice with inexpressible joy and glorious joy. Listen, I believe this, that Christians ought to be the most joyful people on this earth. We ought to be the most joyful people because of what God has done for us. We were dead, but now we're alive. Because what God has promised to do, that, that we have an inheritance kept for us in heaven. Meaning this, there's nothing in this world that can take us from that promise. Oh, and we are guarded. We are protected by God. We ought to be the most joyful people on the planet. Because, listen, we know the end of the game. We don't know when. And that's okay because God does and He's completely in control and we can trust Him. But we know the end of the game and this is it. We win. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you win. And there may be some that are watching this morning that, that you, you don't have that confidence. You, you can't even come close to that type of joy, that type of peace. And maybe you have never given your life to Christ. Listen, it is, it is not an easy path in, in, in our strength, and our ability, but it is a path that you can walk down. And it is something you can have. You can have joy. You can have peace, even in this season. And others that might come our way, you can have it because of what God has done, because of what God has promised, because of what God is doing. Listen, the source of our joy, the source of our peace, our contentment, the source of our meaning in life, our identity, it's not found in the world. That's why when things crater in this world, it doesn't change our joy. Listen, we have a fountain of joy, and that is Jesus Christ. And listen, Jesus Christ will never run dry that is where our source of joy is it is found in our lord and savior jesus christ and listen there is nothing in this world people have tried people have pursued people have raced they have clamored to find joy they've clamored to find meaning in this world and you will never find it it is only found in christ I love this old hymn. I've shared it several times with our church family, but, but I want to share it again. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see 
When He looks upon my face, the One who saved me by His grace, when He takes me by the hand and He leads me to the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. Listen, if we will celebrate in that, if we will, will put our eyes on heaven, if we will put our eyes on eternity with God in heaven, oh, all of this stuff is temporary. And it can come, and we can enjoy it, and it can go, and it doesn't change where our joy is found. I want to close with a prayer straight from Scripture. And I pray that this Scripture will bring you incredible hope and courage in the days ahead. Will you pray with me? It's found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Listen to what it says. I pray that God may grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through His Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever and ever. Father, I pray that You would pour that Scripture into us. May we walk in that freedom. May we walk in that joy. May we walk in that power. Father, I pray that for those that are watching this morning, that hunger for that peace, that hunger for that joy, that, that hunger for that confidence, God, I pray that today would be the day that they say, they say yes to you. Listen, if that is you, if you're watching this morning, you, you, might, you might be thinking, man, I, I don't have all of the answers. I don't know exactly how to go about this Christian thing. Listen, we want to help you. We want to disciple you. But listen, you don't have to have all of the answers. Here's what you need to know. That your sin separates you from God. Your sin separates you from God. But here's the good news. This is the gospel. God has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to do what you couldn't do. To do what I couldn't do. And that was to live a sinless, perfect life. Because God says this, anyone who sins... There's a payment for that. There's a cost. And that is death. But God sent His Son to live a perfect life knowing that we couldn't. And Jesus died on your behalf. So recognize your sin. Recognize that it separates you from God. Repent from that sin. Ask God to forgive you. Listen, He'll forgive you. Ask God to move into your life. Surrender your life to Him. Say, Lord, will you, will you be the Lord of my life? Will you be the Savior of my life? He will answer that prayer with a resounding yes. Scriptures tell us that the angels rejoice when one comes to faith in God. 
Give your life to Christ. Trust Him with all that you have. And listen, when you do, you can have the peace, the confidence, and the assurance today and for your eternity. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.